Welcome to Streams of Progress, where we bring you weekly conversations with many of the UAE's prominent leaders and thinkers. Each of our guests are actively contributing to the vitality of the UAE community and economy. Our goal on the podcast is to inspire you to drive progress in your professional and personal life. Hey everyone, this is Maron, and today on Streams of Progress, we had the chance to sit down with the world-renowned innovator, Dan Ruzgaard, who was in Dubai for the debut of his Vatenlicht installation in the Middle East and Asia region, which took place at the Jamil Art Center. During the discussion, we covered the various sustainability projects Dan and his studio have initiated. Dan even revealed his idea for an even more ambitious project for the Dubai 2020 Expo. So join us as we dive into the conversation. We're now at the Jamil Art Center which I think is one of the first large-scale independent places for the arts and culture. And it just opened, so we're part of that. And it's been really great to work with, uh, with their team and our team to make uh, this site-specific uh, Waterlicht here. Yeah. And before we get into your projects, if we can learn a bit about your background, mm-hmm. who is that? Well, I think, like Dubai, I'm rather defined by my future than by my history. So maybe we should talk about the future first and then go back. But I'm trained as an artist. I did a master in architecture, son of a math teacher, a lot of people telling me that what I want could never be done. And then uh, you, get the, you get these kind of installations. So I love making things. I love trying to improve the world around me. And I think design and technology are great tools in order to enhance that. And um, so I uh, worked on dance floors, which produce electricity when you dance on it. Uh, we built the largest small vacuum cleaner in the world, which sucks up polluted air and um, releases it to make clean air parks. Um, we're working on a space waste lab project right now to capture and upcycle the 8.1 million of kilo of space junk which is floating around our earth. But Waterlicht is a really special piece because it's really about the power and poetry of living with water, trying to show the importance of nature in this new future city we all live in. And um, well, you see, you know, people are hanging out, they're enjoying, they're, they're, you know, they're sort of mesmerized. So it, 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 it triggers imagination. And I think that's the most important thing. What would you say is the guiding philosophy behind Studio Ruzgaard? We're on a mission, a mission for clean air, clean water and clean energy and to bring more creativity and imagination into the, the urban life we live in. And there are a lot of problems that we are facing, eh? like uh, traffic jams and uh, air pollution and rising sea level. And, and I think, you know, we should design our way out of it and, and, and try to improve the world around us. And just waiting for permission or for other people to do it is, I think, a not realistic scenario anymore. So I think by making things, you can improve the world. That's, that's I think, the mission. And what does the word Schoenheit mean to you? So schoonheid is a very Dutch word, which is indeed unpronounceable for a non-Dutch person, and you are forgiven. It's a horrible word in that way. And it means beauty, creativity. So you look at a painting, you go to Louvre, Abu Dhabi, or Jamil Art Center, you're like, oh, you're inspired. It triggers your imagination. But it also means uh, clarity, cleanness, clean air, clean water, and clean energy, which I think, for me, are the true values of of the 22nd century. Um, so for me, it's also about re- redefining beauty, where beauty is not just another um, Rolex or Ferrari or Louis Vuitton bag. Um, I think we sort of have enough of them right now, uh, with all due respect. But I, I, I think it's about this sort of new values of, of having a city which is good for you. And um, there is not so much a lack of money or technology in this world, but a lack of imagination, how that should look like. And So if we can trigger that imagination, we can imagine it, then we will be able to, to get there. You understand what I mean? And, and, and so... It's like sport. When there's a world record, eh? it's unbreakable until somebody does it. 
And it's a new world record. Exactly. And then in three, four weeks, four other people can also do it. So it's very interesting how by doing things, by setting new standards, you generate um, a collective movement so other people can also do it. That's powerful. And how did you get started? Was it back in 2007 you started your studio? Yeah. How did it start? How did you grow the team to what it is today, delivering these projects that are, as you said, cleaning the air, making us think about water sustainability? And yeah. Well, I think, you know, I had all these ideas, but that nobody knew how to build them. So, um, <laughs> so then I'm like, okay, then, then we'll just do it ourselves. So um, you create a team of designers, engineers, project manager, external experts, and... Um, uh, you put them in a room and say, let's make a prototype. And then you have clients like Musea or, or, or uh, government or mayors or property developers or private people who also feel connected with that vision. And uh, so it started to sort of grow. Uh, but when I started the studio, when I was, was founding it, I was just young, broke and naive. You start with nothing. You start with a lot of ideas. But maybe that is still the important one. You know, like the, the idea guides you. The idea takes you to places and... So you, you are this voluntary prisoner of your own imagination <laughs> and, and it takes you somewhere like, okay, well, and let's start a studio, you know, like it's sort of a consequence. And if you would have told me 10 years ago, I would have all these people and like this, this, the, 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 the budgets and the, the, the complexity and the politics. And I would have said, no, 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 no way. Like I'm not going to, but, but now it feels very natural. So the idea shapes me as well. And what was the first project you did as part of the studio? Um, with the studio, it was June. Thousands of fibers which react to the sounds and motion of people walking by. And it was sort of a first experiment in public space to make spaces which are not passive, but interactive. And this was 2007, and eh? mm. we still had flash websites. I don't know. I, there, I mean, there were still fax machines, just for the, the, the early uh, the young bird uh, listeners uh, tonight. Um, this was the world of the fax machine, not of the Facebook account. So technology was something for the geeks, something rough, something clumsy. And now that completely changed. Technology became our second tool. It's, it's very intimate. Um, so I wanted to make environments which would respond and would, yeah, you, feel more, would, you would feel more connected to the world around you. So, uh, and light was a very powerful um, yeah, carrier for that. So an interactive environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, 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 where you walk, the light would follow you. If there were nobody, it would be dark. So as you would walk through the tunnel, the light would sort of interact with you. And light seems to be a medium you tend to work with a lot. Is yeah. there a specific reason for that? Well, light is communication. Light is a language. Like, it's a great way to interact with yourself and the world around you. We need light to survive. The stars hitting to, heading towards us 300 kilometers per second every night again. Um, uh, is information of history, so it's it's a, it's a, yeah it's a code which we can use. And I think if, when we look at the future and we will inhabit the other planets, light as a carrier um, of information will be even become more important. So so it's a great tool to work with. Yeah. And your recent project is at uh, the NASA Space Waste Lab. Yeah. What exactly is that? So sometimes we get a commission, a request from a museum or a minister. And sometimes we initiate our own project just because we want to. And um, I realized somewhere in the research for these landscapes of the future that there's 8.1 million kilo of space junk around us right now in, in, in the universe caused by us broken pieces of satellites and missiles. And I, it's sort of obscene and at the same time very beautiful. Um, so what can we do with it? 
And, and that's the Spaceways Lab, to visualize real-time with light above your head. So you have these huge lines of light sort of scanning the universe and showing where the space junk is above your head, real-time. It's very impressive. Um, to capture it, together with the space experts like ESA and NASA, the, the space agencies of this world. Uh, and then upcycle it to say, well, maybe we can use it to 3D print houses on the moon or... If we capture it with a net, we can attract it to the to the Earth atmosphere, and it burns. So, can we create artificial falling stars as as a replacement for fireworks? And um, that is what I'm one of the reasons why I'm here to push that for Dubai 2020. So we clean up the universe, and you have this beautiful performance of light. It seems very ambitious. Well, why not? But Dubai is also very ambitious, and um, so I think if any kind of country would sort of embrace that that kind of crazy, radical, yet very intriguing, meaningful, new humanity type of project, it would be here. So that's why I'm here. And speaking of another project, I remember this is the project I recall seeing and saying, oh, I didn't even know such a thing was possible. It was the Smog Free Project. Yes. And even just, uh, I recall you talking at the keynote actually last night. Mm-hmm. If you could go over it, how you mentioned how we think of static. Yeah, five five years ago, I, w- I became inspired by Beijing smog. And uh, remembering when you play a plastic balloon uh, as a child, when you play with a plastic balloon and you polish it with your hand, it, it becomes static, it becomes electrified. And uh, I always start to play with it, with my hair. And it, you know, it was sort of a, a gift from planet Earth. It was science. It was so many things. It was magical. And and so four or five years ago, I realized that memory again. And... Um, I thought, well, let's use that principle to build the largest smog vacuum cleaner in the world, uh, which sucks up polluted air, cleans it, and releases it. And you always have people telling you it's not possible or it's not allowed. And then, so funny, even today, somebody said, "Oh, that's a good idea. Why haven't you done it before?" So, so these these are the ungrateful faces of innovation you have to go through. So it's not easy, but it's sort of fun. And um, I think you change the standard what people accept reality to be. I think it's weird that we have a city which is like a machine that is harming us, 16, 17 cigarettes per day that we passively inhale, living in cities like Dubai or Paris or London. I think that's crazy. So I think anything we do to improve the world, to you know embrace humanity, um, is actually quite normal. So I think it's actually quite really normal. Yeah. And I like the idea, I think you said, waste shouldn't exist. And then from the Smog Free Project, he actually started, was it through a Kickstarter? Yeah. The, the jewelry aspect of it? Yeah, so the, we captured the smog particles and we're like, that's really disgusting stuff, but we should do something with it. 42% is carbon. Carbon under high pressure, you get diamonds. So inspired by that, we made smog-free rings. And by, by, by sharing a ring, you donate a thousand cubic meter of clean air to the city where the tower is in. And, and that changed everything. I think wedding couples started to purchase it to get married. Um, it, it gave the project a sort of an emotional... Uh, suddenly it was about love and about beauty, true beauty. Um, it's like the one, one ring you, you cannot lose. Eh? Like, <laughs> it's like, whoa. Um, and it changed the project from a sort of purely mechanical, technical, machine type of feeling, which is also interesting and, and, and needed. Um, and it connected it with, with poetry and, and hope. And I think we need both, the science and the dream world to create impact, yeah. And I think uh, you were mentioning how sometimes funding for projects can be difficult. For instance, in this case, you're trying to tell city developers that 
your city has smog and we want to clean it up, which yeah. doesn't look like the best PR for any no. city that wants to do it. No, they're, they're usually they're in a state of denial. <laughs> they know, but they don't want to know. From my understanding, some of your own projects, similar to this uh, smog-free project, you actually kickstarted yourself before yeah. you even have, let's yeah, say, so a commission. I think uh, 40% I finance them the first year as a studio. So the profit we make, we, we don't buy a new car but, uh, or a yacht or something. But, uh, so we kickstart our own project. And then client comes later. And so you sort of feed yourself, you finance yourself. In a way, so you're your own client, which is horrible because you're like, you can't be mad at anyone because it's your own fault. You're doing it to yourself. And you set your own deadline. So it's this weird conversation you're having with yourself. And that, that, that's beautiful. But in the end, there's always a sort of owner, like a partner or, or a client um, to make it grow. And that's really important. So in the end, it it's still is for everyone here. Like the Waterlicht, you don't have to buy a ticket. You can hang out here, you know, and um, it's for everyone. It's for the public. It's for everyone. It's very important that it's for everyone. And um, and that's what you see. You see young people, you see old people. I've counted 22 different nationalities, you know, and everybody experiences it in its own way, the Waterlicht here. And uh, that's how it should be. You know, it's not my job to tell them what to think. It's my job to trigger their imagination. Yeah. Are there any other projects that come to your mind that you think... Oh, there's people. so much. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, like I, I'm just trying to ignore them as most, like we, we get this request for like an oeuvre exhibition and like an overview book and a movie. And I'm like, oh, I just, I want to be defined by my future. So I want to, you know, focus on the Spaceways Lab. Um, the Waterlicht is a touring. Uh, I think this region is very interesting to sort of think about energy neutral lighting or, you know, really push this idea, what is a smart city? What is, what is a human city? Um, so uh, if you want to go back, you www.studiorosegarden.net, you can watch all the movies and download and share and play. Um, but uh, I, 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 uh, every time I buy a car, I, I break away the, the, the rear view mi- mirrors. Yeah, I don't want to look back. Yeah. Sometimes I do, but not so much. Yeah. Well, if we look back just for a second. Sure. About the gates of light, because I, I recall there was a quote you said, and it was, light shouldn't have an energy bill. True. And the gates of light are an interesting way of making that a real thing. Yeah, it was interesting because it's a very brutal place with rain and storm. It's in the middle of the, of the sea. Um, so there was no electricity, plus everything that would be using technology would break down in two years because of the salt and the rain, for sure. So clients said, no technology. And we're like, okay, so how are we going to make something poetic, dramatic, light-emitting? And then we realized the light was already there, but in the shape of the headlights of the car. So we're like, let's use that. So we started to renovate these 60 floodgates, which open and close the walls of water, and covering them with these micro prismas. So based on the headlights of the car, they illuminate um, as a gateway, as a sort of very poetic entrance, but also as a replacement for streetlights. So indeed, like, why do we have streetlights burning the whole night, also here in Dubai or in my town, Rotterdam, when nobody's there? It doesn't make sense. It's very polluting, bad for animals, you know, um, energy usage, uh, which is silly. Um, so it's, it's a way of sort of upcycling the world around you, taking what is there, but then putting it in a different perspective. Um, and that's how I like to see the world. You know, it's a copy morph, not a copy paste. It's, it's the same, but, but more. Yeah. yeah. If you don't mind, I, I want to shift focus away from your projects and more to understand your thought process. Sure. 
when you were growing up or even today, do you yeah. have any heroes or role models you used to look to? Well, I think I was always fascinated with landscape architecture. So I looked at uh, Ruisdaal, at uh, the old Dutch masters. Eh? They were obsessed with the clouds and the Dutch skies and the Dutch light. I think t- James Durrell and, and Walter de Maria and Oliver Leysen, the, the light artists, are, are very important. I, I love science. We look a lot at biology. We look at anthills underneath the ground, which have their own air conditioning. I mean, that's crazy. Or the wings of a butterfly, which always remain vivid without using toxic pigments. Um, there's a real joy and, and, and knowledge there, which we still don't really understand as human beings. Um, but it also starts with frustration. Why do we pollute the city? Why do we have traffic jams? Why do we have streetlights burning the whole night? It, why do we accept the rising sea level? You know, it doesn't make sense. So it, it starts with a fascination and with, a, with, a, with an irritation. And I think these sort of worlds come together. Yeah. And I have to express that. Otherwise, I'll go mad. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of expressing yourself, are there any personal routines or habits you have that you think are unique to your thought process? No, I just work like a crazy guy. So I think you have a radical idea. You become this voluntary prisoner of that idea. You do whatever you need to do to make that idea happen. Sometimes you're, you're, you're silent. Sometimes you push. Sometimes you let go. Sometimes you take a presence collectively. Sometimes you're just alone. Um, and you create a good team of, of, of people, designers, engineers. And, um, and you do it. You don't let go. So you become obsessed around that idea. Absolutely. This is it. There's no plan B. Um, and, and that is necessary. I, I've, I've been wondering that many times. Is that really necessary? Yes, it's really necessary. Uh, because when you start to do something new, there's always resistance. People say, oh, it cannot be done, or it's not possible. Or So when you start to do something new, you're A, always an amateur, because you don't know. That's why you're doing it. You want to become expert, but you don't know. So, you're, so And B, there's resistance. So you already start with minus 10. Huh? And you want to go plus 100. So the only way of sort of counterbalancing that is just throw an enormous amount of time, money, love, energy at it and try to whoop, um, counterbalance that. And um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's great to travel around the world every three or four days a different city um, to get the attention and, and to see the, yeah, no, the joy of people Um, but it is less glamorous as you would imagine because, um, yeah, the, the idea guides you. Yeah. The idea is in control, not you, yeah. not me. So what does a typical day look like for you when you're at the studio? Is there a certain... So system? every Monday I'm in the studio in Rotterdam and then we have the team of 10, 12, sometimes 25 people working. Um, and we kickstart the day with sort of, okay, this is up. And then I go through all the projects. So the head, the head of design gives me an update. The head of management gives me an update. Uh, shows me prototypes, uh, client briefings, uh, our own ideas that we have. Can we grow gletsers in the Antarctica? Maybe, yes. Should we? We don't know. Um, uh, we look at the budgets. We look at the deadlines. Um, we go for everything. And then I go. I go into the world. I meet people. I look at prototypes. And, then, uh, and they do their thing. And if they need me, they can call me. But they have my cell. It's always on. Um, and then next Monday I'm back again. So, uh, but I'm a hunter. I go out there to hunt for new materials or new contacts. Uh, so you start at 6.30, 7 o'clock till 11 in the evening. Um, and uh, so Monday is usually a, the ping pong day. Yeah, a lot of interactions with people. And then the rest of the week I sort of leave them alone. And they leave me alone and then we sort of focus on their own thing. 
because you also need the time alone to create. Yeah. So there's a we and there's a me in that story. Yeah. So would you say there's collaboration with experts or other domain expertise when you're required? Always, yeah. I think, you know, I own the idea and the trajectory, but I cannot do it alone. Um, so you create your own team at the studio, but you always ask experts. So we did a cloud project once, and then we worked with a cloud expert. There's an expert for everything in life. That's great. Like there's an expert about the wing of a butterfly. And this cloud expert was just not looking at us, but looking at the sky. And just explained there are 822 different types of clouds. He's like, oh, yeah, today's a little bit like... Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's just crazy beautiful. So uh, it is so cool to work with the best. And that's the fun right now, that the people that I admire like uh, Bruce Mao, who wrote um, Massive Change, a book about climate change 10 years ago, or um, uh, to Thomas Hedewig, which is a very great, cool architect based in London. I mean, I, I love those people. I've checked all their work. And they literally call me on my cell and say, hey, you want to, we're doing this project in uh, Toronto. You want to come by and hang out? I'm like, well, tell me, you know, like, I'll, I'll be there, you know, I'm there. So, so you get to work with the people that you admire. That's the best part, uh, because you can sort of skip the, the four uh, conversation and you can sort of, you know, get to work. Um, so, yeah, but, but there's also just me time where I do it because I want to and I think it's important. So there's a we, collectivity, collaboration, but there also needs to be a me where you do it because you want to. I think you need to balance that. If it's only we, it becomes no focus. And if it's only me, it becomes too small, um, so finding the balance between that is, is, is part of the success of the project, yeah. The balance between we and me. Yeah, no, but it's really true. It took me eight years to figure that one out, yeah. Only me is boring, but only we as well. So yeah, it need, you need to do both. You need to have both. You need, you need to be both, yeah. If there was a book you were to gift to people? Creative Inc. by the Pixar founder. About how they grew from basement garage uh, to Steve Jobs walking in and a bomb Disney came in and... So it shows how to grow and not lose creativity. Very funny as well. You can buy it for 20 euros. It's fun. That's a good one. Uh, if you could post a message on every billboard in every major city in the world, what message would you like? I just would leave it blank. Just like a, maybe like a blue sheet of paper, like the water light or the white sheet. Yeah. No. So it's like an artwork. <laughs> or not no, even. Just, no, just like emptiness. Just like... I'm so, all this information, these people wanting, telling you what to do. Just, you know, go and figure it out yourself. Just stare at a wall for a day. See how that feels like, you know, like, yeah, just suck it up. Be a sponge. Don't, and don't ever listen too much to other people. You can hear everything, but you've got to filter it a bit. Yeah. So, and whatever you do, don't ever listen to me, including this podcast. Yeah, that's a really bad idea. I'm joking. Can we just lost. <laughs> no, no, no. Of course, you need to share and exchange because you can learn from each other, but... This notion of, of, of telling people what to do via a billboard is frankly quite scary. Yeah, yeah. And do you have any personal hobbies you engage in aside from, no. let's say, your studio? No. Is there any you would like to pursue if you had more time? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I have a fear of height. And I'm going to space for the Spaceways Lab project sooner or later. So I'm, I'm fighting my fear of height. So I went paragliding. Um, I went... Um, uh, flying like with a small airplane, I'm, I'm learning how to fly like a like a like a pilot. And tomorrow here in Dubai, what's the worst thing you can do? Skydive. Yes. The palm one. Yes. Ten o'clock. 
So maybe this will be my last interview. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> Let's hope not. So um, so I'm I'm challenging my fears. Fears are very interesting because they sort of define you, but we don't really talk about them. And they will always be there. It's part of who I am. I'm not afraid of my fears, but I'm trying to sort of challenge them. I try to you know tease them. Very, very interesting to... Because we always say, oh, you have to be happy. And, and of course you need to be happy, but it's also interesting to sort of... Why are we scared? And what does that mean? And can I challenge that fear? And it will never go away. That's okay, you know, it's part of who I am. But it's sort of interesting to sort of push it a bit. And it, it, it helps you to realize what defines you. What defines me? What makes me who I am? Why do I do certain things? And to sort of challenge and play with that is just really fun. So, um, yeah. That, uh, and I go diving, night diving in Asia. That's also really powerful. This sort so of so underwater that's a hobby. Yeah, okay, maybe. Yeah, maybe I just have a problem with the word hobby. Yeah, but that's right. Okay, there's some <laughs> downtime. There's no Wi-Fi below the ground, uh, below the water yet. Are you sure? <laughs> yes, I checked. Yeah. Okay. Lastly, uh, with the expo coming. Yes. The, if there was a dream initiative you would like to see oh. to buy, implement, you know, because they're forward thinking and they oh, like man. To well, we have a deadline challenges. already. You know, give me a give me a budget and a and a, and a client. Ah, no, I love it. I love it. Like I love the ambition. You know. Who builds a desert in the city? Who puts a man on the moon? Well, we do. Why? Because we can, and we're curious. And uh, um, the notion that Dubai is redefining its beauty, eh? it's not just Louis Vuitton stores and Ferraris, but that we focus on humanity, sustainability, clean air, clean water. That is the true city of, of, of tomorrow. So if Expo 2020 can focus on that, on using technology to improve humanity for everyone, not just for the elite, but for, for everyone, that's what I want to be a part of. So, man, I, I want to do everything. I want to have a clean air city. I want to build the largest smog vacuum cleaner in the size of a skyscraper to give clean air for everyone. I want to make flexible solar panels so we can have really cool, glamorous suits for men which from solar panels so which charge your iphone um and i would love to do the space waste capturing transformed into artificial falling stars so we have fireworks but then yeah cleaning up space at the same time so the, the waste becomes light as it burns up in the atmosphere um so we have another three years we need for that 8.1 million euro and a non-cloudy night and um yeah i think i think i think we're getting there we're getting i'm not getting nose i'm getting interest looks and that's good so i'm not getting nose there's no no in dubai there's also no maybe there's definitely not a yes yet but there's a sort of frown and they're testing me is he crazy can he make it happen and the answer is yes so so it's interesting these are beautiful meetings yeah but I challenge them as well. So it's, it's going to be a journey. Yeah. Do you have any last words of wisdom for the listeners? No. Just uh, when are you broadcasting? We'll probably do it in a week or so. Okay. Yeah. So now you were live at Waterlicht. You missed Waterlicht. Or maybe not. Um, no. Let's, 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 you know. It's fascinating how this region is on a journey. And um, it, it, I'm, I'm grateful to, to, to be a part of that. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's upgrade this world around us. And is there any place that 
listeners should go learn more about studio yourself? Um, well, we have a physical studio in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Uh, we have a lot of exhibitions, permanent and temporary, all around the world. Our website, www.studiorosegarden.net, is where we always try to fill it up with photos and videos and movies and stories. So that that's a great tool. And um, but most of all, I think you know you just have to be out there and be a sponge. You know, just suck it all up. Everything is a tool. Everything is an ingredient. And the world needs new ideas and the world needs new people with ideas trying to make them happen, um, especially in a challenging time like this. Um, so that so we're forced to be creative again, whether we like it or not. And that makes it very, very exciting. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dan. Yeah, I'm going to go back under the blue light. I don't look at the work anymore. I look at the people. This is actually relaxing for me. Yeah, I just, you know. Well, it's also relaxing looking at the blue light. Yeah, people are, you know, they... they, they they become calm. They start to whisper. Um, so it's, for me, it's really fun to sort of... Because, of course, they, they, they don't, most of them don't recognize me. So I can just sort of, you know, hang out. It's really fun. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Bye. You can check out this episode's show notes on our website at streamsofprogress.com slash That's R-O-O-S-E-G-A-A-R-D-E. We'd love to connect with you, so follow us on Facebook and Instagram or reach out via our website. If you can please take a few minutes to give us an honest rating on iTunes, this really makes a huge difference and improves our ability to reach more people in the UAE and beyond. We hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to seeing you next week on Streams of Progress.